Section two of the Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Leader. Book one, chapter two. I set out. The clock of the square towered Norman church, a mile away, was striking the hour of four as I let myself out into the morning. It was dark as yet and chilly, but the east was already a faint glimmer of dawn. Reaching the stables, I paused with my hand on the door-hasp, listening to the hiss-hissing that told me Adam, the groom, was already at work within. As I entered, he looked up from the saddle he was polishing, and touched his forehead with a grimy forefinger. "'You'll be early abroad, Mr. Peter.' "'Yes,' said I. "'I wish to be on Shooter's Hill at sunrise. But first I came to say good-bye to Wings.' "'To be sure, sir.' nodded Adam, picking up his lantern. Upon the ensuing interview I will not dwell. It was affecting both to her and to myself, for we were mutually attached. "'Sir,' said Adam, when at last the stable-door had closed behind us, "'that there mare knows is you relieving her.' "'I think she does, Adam.' "'Horses be wonderful wise, sir.' "'Yes, Adam.' "'This is a bad day for wings, sir, and all of us, for that matter.' "'I hope not, Adam.' "'You be a-going away, they tell me, sir?' "'Yes, going away,' I nodded. "'Wonder what'll become of the mare, sir?' "'Ah, yes, I wonder,' said I. "'Everything to be sold under the wheel, I think, sir.' "'Everything, Adam.' "'Excuse me, sir,' said he, knuckling his forehead. "'You won't be wanting ever a groom, will you?' "'No, Adam.' I answered, shaking my head. I shan't be wanting a groom. Nor yet a body-servant, sir? No, Adam, nor yet a body-servant. Here there ensued a silence, during which Adam knuckled his right temple again, and I tightened the buckle of my knapsack. I think, Adam, said I, I think it is going to be a fine day. Yes, sir. Good-bye, Adam, said I, and held out my hand. "'Good-bye, sir.' And having shaken my hand, he turned and went back into the stable. So I set off, walking beneath an avenue of trees, looming up gigantic on either hand. At the end was the lodge, and ere I opened the gates—for John, the lodge-keeper, was not yet astir—ere I opened the gates, I say, I paused for one last look at the house that had been all the home I had ever known since I could remember.' As I stood thus, with my eyes upon the indistinct mass, I presently distinguished a figure running towards me, and, as he came up, recognized Adam. "'It ain't much, sir, but it's all I have,' said he, and thrust a short, thick, well-smoked clay pipe into my hand, a pipe that was fashioned to the shape of a negro's head. "'It's a good pipe, sir,' he went on, "'a mortal good pipe, and as sweet as a nut.' saying which he turned about and ran off leaving me standing there with his parting gift in my hand and having put the pipe into an inner pocket i opened the gate and started off at a good pace along the broad highway it was a bleak desolate world that lay about me a world of shadows and a white low-lying mist that filled every hollow and swathed hedge and tree a lowering earth and a frowning heaven infinitely depressing. But 
the eastern sky was clear with an ever-growing brightness hope lay there so as i walked i kept my eyes toward the east being come at last to that eminence which is called shooter's hill i sat down upon a bank beside the way and turned to look back upon the wonderful city and as i watched the pearly east changed little by little to a varying pink which in turn slowly gave place to reds and yellows until up came the sun in all his majesty gilding vane and weathercock upon a hundred spires and steeples and making a glory of the river far away upon the white ribbon of road that led across blackheath a chase was crawling but save for that the world seemed deserted i sat thus a great while gazing upon the city and marvelling of the greatness of it truly said i to myself nowhere in the whole world is there such another city as london and presently i sighed and rising set my back to the city and went on down the hill yes the sun was up at last and at his advent the mists rolled up and vanished the birds awoke in brake and thicket and lifting their voices sang together a song of universal praise bushes rustled trees whispered while from every leaf and twig from every blade of grass there hung a flashing jewel with the mists my doubts of the future vanished too and i strode upon my way a very god king of my destiny walking through a tribute world where feathered songsters caroled for me and blossoming flowers wafted sweet perfume upon my path so i went on gaily down the hill rejoicing that i was alive in the knapsack at my back i had stowed a few clothes the strongest and plainest i possessed together with a shirt some half-dozen favorite books and my translation of Brantome. Quintilian and Petronius I had left with Mr. Granger, who had promised to send them to a publisher, a friend of his, and in my pocket was my Uncle George's legacy, namely, ten guineas in gold. And as I walked, I began to compute how long such a sum might be made to last a man. By practicing the strictest economy, I thought I might manage well enough on two shillings a day and this left me some hundred-odd days in which to find some means of livelihood, and if a man could not suit himself in such time, then, thought I, he must be a fool indeed. Thus my thoughts caught something of the glory of the bright sky above and the smiling earth about me, as I strode along that broad highway, which was to lead me I know not whither, yet where disaster was already lying in wait for me, as you shall hear. Book One, Chapter Three, concerns itself mainly with a hat. As the day advanced, the sun beat down with an ever-increasing heat, and, what with this and the dust, I presently grew very thirsty. Wherefore, as I went, I must needs conjure up tantalizing visions of ale of ale that foamed gloriously in tankards that sparkled in glasses and gurgled deliciously from the spouts of earthen pitchers and i began to look about me for some inn where these visions might be realized and my burning thirst nobly quenched as such a thirst deserved to be on i went through this beautiful land of kent past tree and hedge and smiling meadow 
by hill and dale and sloping upland, while ever the sun grew hotter, the winding road the dustier, and my mighty thirst the mightier. At length, reaching the brow of a hill, I espied a small inn or hedge-tavern that stood back from the glare of the road, seeming to nestle in the shade of a great tree, and joyfully I hastened toward it. As I approached I heard loud voices, raised as though in altercation, and a hat came hurtling through the open doorway and bounding into the road, rolled over and over to my very feet, and looking down at it, I saw that it was a very ill-used hat, frayed and worn, dented of crown, and broken of brim. Yet, beneath its sordid shabbiness, there lurked the dim semblance of what it had once been, for, in the scratched and tarnished buckle, in the jaunty curl of the brim, it still preserved a certain pitiful air of rakishness. Wherefore I stooped, and, picking it up, began to brush the dust from it as well as I might. I was thus engaged when there arose a sudden bull-like roar, and, glancing up, I beheld a man who reeled backwards out of the inn, and who, after staggering a yard or so, thudded down into the road, and so lay, staring vacantly up at the sky. Before I could reach him, however, he got upon his legs, and, crossing unsteadily to the tree I have mentioned, leaned there and I saw there was much blood upon his face, which he essayed to wipe away with the cuff of his coat. Now, upon his whole 